M1 is the finance super app that puts you in control of your wealth. Invest, borrow, save, and spend your money how you want with sophisticated automation tools to help you reach your financial goals more easily. 2021 is about rebuilding, building health, building wealth, and everything in between. I've been using M1 for years to manage my long-term investment portfolio. M1 lets me follow some of the top performing hedge funds like Code 2 and balance my pie based on what the pros are doing. It's truly my favorite investing app in the world. Go to m1finance.com slash Katoon to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to Technory Podcast. I'm Scott Gatoon. On today's show, we catch up with Schedulo founder and CEO Matt Fairhurst talking about his company, which just announced a Series C of $75 million. Company is a global deskless scheduling and management platform. What does that mean? Well, I think you're going to have to listen to the podcast to get the full understanding, but let's just put it this way. If there's anyone who is showing up at your house, whether it's for telehealth and they're, they're coming in for, for readings and checkups or they're delivering things, uh, they're coming to do a solar panel install, uh, it could even be a refrigerator. There is a platform that is run on mobile that allows those people and the HQ to stay in touch and to record what's going on, to track uh, look at like a CRM for, for the other side of the business, not the CRM that catches you, the CRM for the actual employees that are not working at a location or in a desk. Why is this important? Well, I think it's pretty obvious why it was important in the past, but post-COVID, which I came to find out from Matt, um, they actually had a pretty integral role in helping uh, sort of mobilize the vaccination efforts across the world, which I think is is not only commendable, but also uh, pretty important for that business and pretty important for other businesses who are starting to recognize that we live in a different world. And I think after COVID, we're going to continue to live in a different world. And that's why a company like Schedulo, probably, I had to guess, uh, was able to raise such a, a hefty chunk of money during their Series C. It's just, it's sort of a an undeniable fact. It's an inevitability that a vast majority of workforce are going to be moving deskless and they're not going to be operating inside of a a business. Certain businesses, of course, will stay the same, but we will see more of this sort of decentralization of things. And I think schedule plays a, a huge role in that. Uh, as far as this week's pitch review, uh, you should definitely go to katoon.com or find pitch reviews on Substack. I think you will enjoy it. We're talking to Mealthy. Um, basically, what's the way to put Mealthy? It's, it's kind of like an Instapot that's married with like a food recipe digital app, which is kind of married with potentially uh, multiple kitchen tools and smart tools that help you live a faster, freer, easier, healthier lifestyle when it comes to food. They are currently raising around so you can uh, listen and check out that pitch review. It's available uh, by the time you hear this, it should be available. So excited about that. And last but not least, I started doing kind of an on and off series on Technori's YouTube channel called The Hobby. It's sort of chronicling my interest uh, in collecting cards, sports cards for the most part. Uh, but the hook is that tech is really big into it. And if you caught the news earlier this week, Fanatics uh, pretty much shoved tops out of the way with regard to uh, their MLB exclusive licensing. And, and then they went ahead and took the NBA as well. And there's some pretty big impacts on both sides. And we talk about it on the new episode. I would absolutely love for you to check it out if you're into that. Tech 
is 100% coming for the cards and collectible space. It's probably started with NFTs, but it's making its way into the actual wax and physical collectible space next. So I would love your comments. Check it out. Give me the feedback. You can always get me on Twitter at Katoon. This is my conversation with the CEO and founder of Schedulo, Matt Fairhurst. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm well, Scott. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. I So like, I'm always fascinated when I see uh, businesses like Schedulo. I, full disclosure, I uh, was on the phone with my wife uh, five minutes before this podcast. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You're on a podcast. I, I'm sorry. Well, who are you talking to? And I was like, this company Schedulo. I'm, re- I'm reading this. She's spent enough time with me that she knows to go right to Crunchbase. And she's like, holy shit, these guys raised all this money. I don't know what they do. <laughs> she's a teacher, so it's, it's okay. She wouldn't probably understand the business per se. But I personally am very fascinated with the space. And, and you know, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about workflow and work management and people working remotely and businesses uh, kind of, I wouldn't say pivoting their business exactly as a type, but how they do it for sure. And your business obviously has been around well before COVID. And uh, the impact was gigantic and you'd probably be raising monster rounds regardless, uh, but there's no question that things have shifted. So for the audience listening, I'd love from you, you know, what is Schedulo? And then let's kind of get into how you, how you got here and, and where you think you're going. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, happy to introduce everyone to, to Schedulo. We've been, uh, uh, we started here in Australia where I'm uh, calling from today about seven and a half years ago. I spend most of my time uh, in the United States, but uh, try and split my time where I can back here with the team. And, uh, uh, you know, when we look at what's happened over the last 18 months, for sure, I think you're right that many organizations and companies have had to pivot. They've had to uh, reconsider and think about the way that people work. Um, but primarily, a lot of those pivots have been focused on people that work in an office and behind a desk, moving out of the office environment into the home and thinking about new ways of working and collaborating together. Uh, the, the amazing thing is that there is a, a significant portion of the workforce, though, that doesn't work in an office and behind a desk. They work uh, out uh, in our communities, in our homes, uh, in businesses, and move around uh, all throughout the day. And that's what we call the deskless workforce, people that don't sit in an office and they're not behind a desk. And, uh, you know, whilst we've seen so many pivots and motions towards uh, remote working from home, there's such a significant portion of the workforce, in fact, 80% of it, that couldn't go through that same motion. They had to keep coming into our homes and our businesses and our communities and healthcare and uh, install, installing refrigerators and installing solar systems and all sorts of work. And, uh, you know, that work had to continue and we had to make sure that they had great software and technology to not only keep them productive and well-organized, but keep them safe uh, over the last 18 months. And, uh, you know, their productivity and their workflow every single day and the engagement with this workforce in an organization has really been our focus for those seven and a half years. How do we use the medium and the device of mobile devices, uh, phones and tablets uh, that, uh, you know, are now available and have been available for the whole time that we've been a a company uh, and a business and really amplify uh, the productivity, the organization, the engagement of people uh, that work outside of an office and away from a desk. And that's what uh, Schedulo is. So if you're a person who's, you know, like me, you're sitting in your house and you see somebody show up and they whip out the tablet 
and they, you know, whether they're installing something or picking something up, there's a, a decent shot that you guys are, if not a customer or someone that they consider. Is that fairly accurate? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to think that uh, as many people that come and knock on your door, uh, installing something or uh, even going to your, your, your family members' uh, homes to give them essential health care uh, or whatever it might be, if they're outside of the office and away from the desk, I would hope that they're using scheduler for sure. How did you get, like, what's the background? How do you get into this? Because it's, it's certainly niche. You know, we obviously here in the States and uh, you guys have an office, I think, in San Francisco or spend the least amount of time there. There's a lot of flashy startups. And if you want to get into the B2B and talk about SaaS and, and CRMs and things like that, uh, there's a million companies like Apollo. And, and obviously before that was HubSpot that was, that was hot and heavy. And you can understand why a person would discover uh, that problem, you know, trying to grow their own business, probably a startup before that, they couldn't figure out how to, how to grow sales or, or whatever. And it lends itself into it. They're solving some sort of productivity problem. This to me is a unique one because the type of person who usually feels this pain is not the same kind of person who usually starts a SaaS type tech company, unless they were at a company that struggled with this and they were trying to solve something internally. So I'm just curious, you know, how do you, how do you jump into this? How do you see this like gap and go, I know exactly how I want to attack it. Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a few in there. One, I think that, um, the, the problems that we're solving are very, very operational, very complex, very difficult, but very, uh, uh, you know, if you if you think about some of the sexy SaaS companies that exist uh, that you mentioned, um, you know, I think Scheduler is very different. We're solving very challenging operational and organizational problems and, and very sophisticated workflows that uh, are hard to solve. Um, we as an organization don't have a deskless workforce. We're not uh, a company that experiences the challenges and the pain that our customers go through. And for that reason, when we started the company, uh, it, it really came out of the, the challenges and the issues that companies that I was working with, with my co-founder, James, in a consulting capacity, were really uh, observing and experiencing. We saw these companies that had all of these organizational and planning and, and productivity challenges, and we fell in love with the difficulty of those challenges and uh, 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 created you know, software to solve it, uh, you know, ultimately. Um, but we rely 100% on the feedback and the advice of our customers, uh, both uh, regarding the, the challenges that we have solved and that we're solving today, but also the ones that we have to solve in the future. You know, they're the ones with people out in the field and out in our communities that are doing this kind of work. And we rely on them entirely for you know, feedback and advice as to uh, how we're doing as a company. It, it's funny, you know, one of my business partners is the founder of SMS Assist, which is a unicorn in Chicago that handles property management. Uh, they created kind of a double-sided marketplace in its infancy. Uh, a, the adoption was obviously big, right? If, I'm, if I run a commercial business and I need plumbing services, lighting services, landscaping services, there's a million different you know, people who might try to be a vendor for you, uh, but you're paying service fees for people to come out if they have to drive a certain amount of miles away, if it's snowplow, just everything is very integrated. It's a, a very, rife with problems, put it that way. What they ultimately solved for that became kind of the, the MO for the business was that they had the ability to solve for unique problems that any vendor would have. It could be like this gigantic landmark level vendor. And that's honestly the simplest because they, they run on a universal platform and it's just a matter of building tech that, that APIs and, and it works. 
when you start dealing with smaller groups, they have different ways that they, they run their units. They have different, you know, they take a truck. They don't take a truck. They operate independently. They have their own cars. Like there's all these different things. And it's funny, there's been several businesses that have tried to do that model that they have and they've all failed for the most part. I mean, not failed, but certainly don't have the market presence that SMS does. And I think the reason that they were successful was that they truly did listen to the customers. They, in a lot of ways, you could almost say that the customers still to this day continue to build the tech forum. They literally give them a challenge. And if the challenge is requested 10 times, there's a tech team that's assigned to it. And then it's like, oh, in solving this problem, we discovered you know five other ways that we could actually not only solve it, but give back. We could give you a different opportunity to save time. I'm curious with your business because it's so there, there's certainly a lot of commonality between any service provider that goes between a home and a manufacturing plant, whatever the case may be. It could be a Home Depot to your house. There are certain commonalities, but there's also a lot of unique pieces to this. And how do you build them in a way where the entire platform can still operate in a scalable manner? Because to me, that, that's the thing that, that SMS, I think, really solved for well that others didn't. And I'm sure that it's similar for your business. Like, it's one thing to solve problems for everybody. It's another to do it under one roof. And it, it seems to me that you guys have been successful in that area. I'm just curious how you attack that. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good question as well. I think um, you've identified a real uh, inflection point that a technology company has to go through. And that is sort of making a decision when you uh, serve a segment of your customer base very well, maybe in a particular industry, for example, you know, let's say healthcare for us is 30, 35% of our customer base. You have to be very disciplined when you really decide to build a platform to serve as many organizations that uh, face a consistent set of challenges that every organization with a DESIS workforce faces versus uh, only focusing on one industry or another and sort of creating another fragment in a very sort of fragmented ecosystem of uh, industry products and industry applications. And I think at Scheduler, we made a very deliberate decision early to create a platform that focused very deeply uh, and to a high level of quality on the, the fundamental consistencies between each of those organizations, but then allow an environment um, that we call now the Desktop Productivity Cloud um, that can depend on those fundamentals, but be extended and configured and uh, iterated on uh, for a particular industry or for a particular use case and a set of challenges that might exist between one business and another. And I think that's often the, the real sort of layer of value that our customers get from our platform, where they can take these very, very rich fundamentals that anchor uh, around the, the planning and organization of work and scheduling of work, the, the execution of work on a mobile device and the analysis of that work in a, in a business, but then articulate it in a way that's really competitive for them yeah. in, in the market or whatever it might be. And I think to do that, you, had, you just have to be very disciplined and know and appreciate the you know much bigger company and much bigger product that you're building over time. This you know this is a show that hopefully you know we have kind of a split between investors who listen to this, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. We do have a strong I think following of entrepreneurs who are trying to tackle kind of the complicated issues like this. And you know it's funny when you talk about just the way you talk about this business and you, you talk about laying fundamentals and you mentioned that you know call it thirty percent or thirty five percent of your business might be in the healthcare space. It's also one of those businesses where in the early stages, and we're talking like seed round, maybe trying to get into your A round, where you need that, like, we've got one champion customer or two or three that like, I can name to you at the investor board. And you're like, okay, we feel like you're legit. 
it's very easy to start building towards one and your sales being like X company represents 60% of our revenue. And it, it seems to me you have a business, again, similar to SMS that like you could literally serve everyone and there's no competitive advantage or disadvantage. No, in other words, no one is going to be like, we use Schedulo and now we won't. Um, but I am curious, like how you got your foot in the door with this, because people for, you know, depending on the size of your business, in particular healthcare, since you mentioned it, it's, it's a tough one to crack into. Like it's one where if you get one, it doesn't necessarily mean you can get others. And I, I'm just curious, you know, I'm guessing it's very disciplined approach is, is just my guess. When you started and you landed your first paid clients, how did you start to attack this? Were you going for little shops that could solve for it? I'm guessing not. Uh, you know, how did you address the first client and then start to scale your actual sales model? Yeah, I think maybe there's two parts that, that answer. The first one is that, um, you know, the problems that we're solving for and these challenges that exist in, in an organization where the deskless workforce, regardless of the industry that they're in, uh, they're so fundamental to the business models that they've built over yep. time um, that if we can demonstrate how our technology and our software or even our idea uh, in the early days addresses even just a portion of those challenges, then it's intrinsically much easier, uh, the rest of sort of the sales cycle and the engagement cycle with that customer, because it becomes very easy to convince them of how and why to use that technology to improve you know, their working life. These are business models that they've been running for many, many years. These are not sort of new ideas of how to, yeah. how to send someone out from an organization into someone's home, for example. So we're anchoring around a set of challenges and pain points that have existed for a long time. So uh, it's, it's a, you know, a, an easier story to tell from that regard. The way that we founded and started the company was, you know, James and I had started a, a consulting company here in Australia for about, of about 20 people. We had a, a product that we were building uh, in that capacity. And we ran that for about 18 months. And whilst that was not a successful company, that 18 month period, really gave us the opportunity to talk to a diverse range of different businesses. And if you think back sort of eight, eight and a half years ago when this was happening, mobile devices were really just coming online. Yep. And these organizations were realizing that every one of their employees, every one of their team members had one in their hand. And they were like, you know, how do we really capitalize on the fact that there's this new medium of technology that we can leverage and everyone has one. And in the meantime, we're sending people out with pieces of paper and clipboards and, you know, these antiquated ways of sort of managing this work that we're doing that's so important to our business model. And I found four of these companies that consistently wanted to talk about this. And one of them was in healthcare, one of them was in solar power, one of them was in uh, sort of energy saving utility meter reading, and the other one was in traffic management. So four very different companies um, but all had very, you know, very similar, if not the same problem. So we, uh, as a designer and my background, I built a Photoshop mock-up of what the product could look like as, a, as we thought about solving these problems and all four of them agreed to be a customer. And that was our first four paying customers. <laughs> so we, we really had customers before we had a product and then it was over to my co-founder James to then, uh, go and build it. And we, we sort of, tore down the company that we, we had built and, and uh, went back to three people and started from scratch. And, you know, it took us six months after that, but then we had a product that was, that was valuable. So it was, uh, those are the best stories to me. Like those yeah. are the ones that like, from a startup standpoint, I love them because it's like, I'm not going to say you backed into a solution, but you, you backed into a business in some regards, which, which I think is, is fascinating. 
Yeah, I think we, you know, we focused on just solving a really interesting set of very challenging, painful problems. And, um, you know, that was all we, we thought about. And we, you know, it's, it's largely all we think about today is how to keep solving, uh, you know, that, that same sort of sphere of challenges that exist uh, in Odessa's workforce. So I'm curious, obviously, uh, the last 18 plus months have changed a lot of things. I suspect there are changes that impacted your business, but for the most part, it's still, you know, mission is what it was before. Uh, key to a Series C that was, what, $75 million or thereabout. Uh, I'm going to guess that a lot of investors see what I see, which is a very changing work environment that has almost everything deliverable. And it's, uh, you know, as much as Grubhub and some of these other groups, Instacart, are, are dominating the space in their, their own realm, I think they're rife for disruption again, to be honest. And, and I think you guys are in a kind of a unique situation because you can you can arm other companies that previously would have probably never thought of, of going down this route. Uh, and now you start to have workers that are working remote. And so they're not going into people's homes, but there is still an element of deathlessness. And I'm curious how you look at that as a business and how that impacted the way that you would either A, operate your business or B, pitch it to investors as you're growing. Like, how do you look at the future of work as it relates to a deathless environment first, I think is probably the easiest one. And then obviously the, the shift and change to, uh, people scheduling and things like that outside of, of of the office. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on this earlier. Just uh, it, by describing the magnitude and the the amount of diversity that exists uh, across organizations as they think about these really tough organizational and and sort of work oriented challenges, whether they're uh, you know in healthcare or utilities or telecommunications or whatever they they may be. The scale of that um, challenge and the number of organizations that have them is just uh, ginormous. And I think that um, the, you know, the investment community for sure, but um, businesses and organizations at large and the technology community have really uh, realized this as well over the, you know, over the years um, that we've, we've been running our company. And that's exciting to see. I think it's really great to see that um, our story and our mission of uh, really amplifying and uh, engaging with deskless workers everywhere and as many as we can over time is really resonating. And I think that the concepts and these fundamental challenges that we've built technology to serve and address are so applicable to so many different kinds of problems. And I think another thing that was happening as we were raising our Series C and uh, growing our business last year was a very deliberate um, set of challenges that we set out to solve that oriented around COVID-19 and the response to it. Um, you know, and I think this was a really clear demonstration of just how applicable these ideas and these technologies are to really, really challenging and tough problems. And, um, you know, we started with uh, helping organizations streamline the way that they ran testing uh, facilities and, and environments. And then that really genesis into uh, vaccine administration at scale. And we've worked with some of the largest governments now uh, across the world and helped facilitate tens of millions of vaccine inoculations all around the world. And I think that's not only was, was it a very important thing for us to do in, in, in order to help uh, organizations that we were close to as they uh, really struggled with the operational side of those, those motions, but um, you know, a clear demonstration of just how applicable the technology is when you uh, apply it at scale. I couldn't agree more. And obviously, uh, you would prefer this not to happen as a result of a pandemic, 
Uh, but I do think we're going to learn as a business community and really as logistics and supply chain community in the world, how to better deal with this. Um, and there's a lot of lessons that I think are going to be drawn from what happened with the pandemic and, and getting people to be able to, to mobilize really quickly. And I think it's going to actually be something that you're going to find beneficial and people will start to see kind of themes, if you will, in businesses, day-to-day operations and how we get things and how we do things um, and, and, and basically eliminating log jams and the kind of things that really slowed everybody down in the early going. So my guess, I'm certainly not the first to say this to you. Uh, my guess is that you guys are going to be having uh, just ginormous success over the next few years, you know, assuming of course you continue to operate and, and excel the way you have. Cause I think the world is changing in a way where the idea of a business, not having a platform like schedule is a, as sort of a rudimentary foundation to how they operate and mobilize is almost like unacceptable. <laughs> like at this point, like it's, it's just absolutely crazy, which, you know, before COVID, I think you just said that about large organizations, but I think you wouldn't have been surprised at all if it was, you know, a notebook and Excel sheets and spreadsheets for the vast majority prior to this. Yeah, I think it is unacceptable um, for, for many reasons. But one of them is I think that our working lives have fundamentally changed and the expectations we have as uh, employees of a company and particularly those that are deskless, people that are inherently disconnected and, and remote by design um, have simply a, a completely different set of expectations now around the technology that's provided to them around the way that they're engaged with uh, by the companies that they work for and how productive they can be. And it's, it is, uh, you know, certainly I think the responsibility of any organization that has a desktop workforce to look at and listen to the, the expectations and the sort of changing set of uh, needs that, uh, you know, a, a highly engaged and really productive workforce has. I could not agree anymore. I have a, a, a last question. It's the worst question I have. Uh, you know, Australia is a tiny continent, but we've had several Australians on this show. And I, I'm just, you have to ask Dom Holland, Ryan Benici, do you know some of these, these guys who are from Australia who are crushing it here in the States? I do know those guys and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of uh, Australia and, and the technology uh, industry that uh, has been created here over time. And, and um, there are so many shoulders of, of many sort of giants before uh, all of us that we're standing on. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure why there are so many uh, Australian founders in tech and, and certainly a bunch of us in the United States, but I don't know, maybe we're suckers for punishment and really like solving really challenging problems. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think we're due for a round table. We're going to bring all of them in. It's not just them. We've had female founders too. I think I'm uh, forgetting her last name, Laura. She's the founder of publicist.co uh, is also from Australia. Uh, it, it might be worth an exercise because in all reality, like when you think of tech hubs and things, it's not traditionally one that is named. And in reality, if you look at some of the largest, fastest growing companies in some of the most high tech spaces in this country, it's Australian founders or, or at least started in Australia in some capacity, which I think is, is just a fascinating footnote, I guess. No, that's, that's nice of you to say, and I'm sure that would be a, an interesting conversation to have, but uh, yeah, uh, very proud of our team here in Australia and we continue to, to build it here in Brisbane and, and throughout the rest of Australia, but also very excited for what we've been able to achieve in the United States now uh, uh, in Europe as well. Uh, as our company has always been, you know, really global from day one. And that's something we're really proud of and uh, continue to be. I'm excited to see where you guys uh, continue to grow. I, I have a feeling that this is probably not the, the last time that we'll be hearing from you on the show, I hope. Um, 
Matt, it's, it's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate you taking the time and also doing this from Australia that you uh, put up with the time difference, which I'm sure is quite something. No, of course. Thanks for having me, Scott, and happy to, happy to talk about schedule anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen, review, and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro-investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.